0: Thanks for being here, everybody. It is getting more and more full in here every week, and it's actually really um, quite a joy to see. I have a few things to tell you this morning. I've got a bit of a list. These are in no order of importance, so stick with me. Um, First of all, I just want to celebrate the fact that our Christmas hamper and Christmas gift giveaway, um, this community stepped up in a pretty amazing way, and we filled every single available slot. Um, every person that was on our list to receive a gift this Christmas is getting one um, because of your generosity. So we wanted to say thank you to everybody who contributed to that and who picked those up so quickly too. We were not having to um, kind of beg and plead at the last minute for more people. It was just there was actually um, more people that wanted to contribute than we had available um, spots for. So thank you for that. All of those gifts um, have been delivered to the building here. And if you are in person with us today, we would love it if you would literally lend a hand and help us wrap them all after the service today. Um, We are having a Christmas wrapping party in the social hall directly after the service. And all of those gifts are going to get wrapped up and loaded up into a truck and ready to be delivered to the agencies to be distributed. So um, it's a great time. It can go really quickly and we just need all hands on deck. So if you're available for that, we would love to see you in the social hall after the service. Um, This time of year is when we like to take the opportunity to say a special thank you to our Friends Church staff. Um, Now, this is not just Vince and Jeff, who you see on stage and who are more visible, but also Ryan with our teens and our switch group, Ashley with uh, Friends Kids, and Yvette, who is our bookkeeper. That is the team that actually makes this all happen on a regular basis. We get to benefit from all of the hard work that they put in. And so around Christmas time, we like to take the opportunity to say thank you to them with a financial gift, like a Christmas bonus. So if you are interested in contributing to that gift, we would appreciate you joining us in that. Um, you can give in person here, or you can give online and choose that from the drop-down menu um, for staff gift, and you have until December the 18th. To do that. Um, I know how much I appreciate being able to come here and having this community um, and learning and just connecting. And so, um, if you do as well, I would ask you to consider that gift this year. The final thing that I'm going to remind you about is our Christmas Eve service. So, we do not have anything on Christmas Day, it's a Sunday, right? Christmas Day is a Sunday, that's always the worst day for Christmas, kind of throws a wrench into things. But Christmas Eve, we have a great service planned. Uh, the bar opens at 4.30, and at 5 o'clock the service starts. So we hope you can join us on Christmas Eve um, to just celebrate and gather together, and then uh, you know, sleep in or get up early, depending on the age of your family, the next morning. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Thanks, Emily. I'll add one more thing. So Christmas Day is Sunday, so we're not going to have a service. Then the next one is New Year's Day. And since you all are going to be really, really good on New Year's Eve, you won't be, like, overtired and beat up. But we're not going to have a service on January 1st. So two Sundays off. So don't let your spiritual journey take a header and, like, into the toilet. (laughs) Just, like, calm. Take it back up. We'll see you guys on the 8th. Is that right? Perfect. Um, I'm reading, or we're reading this book called The Willpower Instinct. Kelly McGonigal fantastic book and then in it she writes this one quote that like snapped me out of my stupor can you start up for me esmond influential behavioral economist george ainsley has argued this is behind the most failures of self-control from alcoholism and addiction to weight gain and debt most people deep down want to resist temptation we want to make the choice that will lead to long-term happiness we do right this is the part where you nod But, uh, not drink the drink, but sobriety. Not the deep-fried donut, but the tight derriere. Am I allowed to say tight derriere? Especially when I'm turned with my back to (laughs) y'all? That got a little awkward, didn't it? Not the fancy new toy, but the financial security. We only prefer the short-term immediate reward when it's right there staring us in the face. At this point, I was thinking, duh. Like, of course, when the donut's right there. Of course, But then I realized Ainsley's doing something deeper than this. He's doing something much deeper than this. And if we understand what he's saying, I'm of a mind to agree that this is the core of all of our willpower challenge failures. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? If you can figure out this one area, a lot of these challenges change. Now, let me tell you by way of a story, because we're going to go deeper. Any time someone says, oh, there's a hack that's easy, and your life will be good, I don't buy it. Right? If it's that easy, we would all have done it. But if we take this deeper, there's something beautifully profound here. So, let's back up. Last week, we talked about the story of David and Bathsheba. I don't know if you remember, Bathsheba's sending herself on the roof one day. Her husband has been gone, he's a workaholic, and he's gone again. And in my reading of it, she's lonely. She's by herself again. Her willpower is starting to fade until some guy says, hey, you want to spend some time together? And she folds. She's married. She knows she shouldn't be with this other guy, but her husband hasn't been home in a long time. That one decision destroys her life, ends up killing her firstborn son. Like, it's, it's big, and it's this cautionary tale that says, hey, screw up on a willpower challenge. It's not just like, oh, hey, I have to buy a new pair of jeans because I don't fit into them anymore. It can be significantly bigger than that. But if we tell the story today, I want to tell it from the the other side of the story. I told it from Bathsheba's side. Today, I want to tell it from David's side. And for those of you who geek out on hermeneutics, which is my area of expertise, we're going to do a psychological hermeneutic. I want you to read this story not through theology. I want you to read it through humanity. Because David's a nice guy. He prides himself as being an upstanding, moral human being. Remember we talked about these long-term goals we have? They sit in our prefrontal cortex. This is the I want, I will, I won't. David wants to be a good person. He wants to end his life and look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I live my life pretty much how I was hoping I would live it. Or, in our cases... Anyone have, when we start talking about I will, I want, I won't, I don't want you to put up your hand, but think about yours. What's the thing that as you come through the Christmas season, you want to avoid? I was just back with my family for a couple, a day. I was there for a funeral. And I can feel the energy when I'm with my family, right? There's current vents and there's old vents. There's old patterns and there's all that stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 I won't be dragged into that conversation again. Wait, why am I raising my voice? That's the "I won'ts. I won't skip this. I won't fall into that. I won't yell. I won't ignore. I won't eat. Or it's the "I wills. I will work out. I will eat healthy. I will have vegetables in this month. You know said parties that like the amount of vegetable platters versus like deep fried platters? The ratio is a little off, isn't it? I won't do that. I won't skip a workout. I won't uh, run out of uh, sleep. I won't keep going and going until I'm exhausted and have my willpower degrade that way. I won't or I want. I want to be connected with the people I love. I want to be truly who I am. I want to live an authentic life. These are the things that make meaningful life. Ainsley uses the word um, happiness. Happiness and meaningful life don't correlate. He's being a little cavalier with his language. What he's trying to say is, if you want to live a life that long-term is solid, if you want to look at these willpower challenges, I will, I want, I won't, this is how you do it. And here's David. He's sitting on his rooftop trying to be a moral human being, and he looks across the way at a very attractive woman. The, the language in the text says she's Tove, which is, we translate it beautiful, very beautiful, but it's even more than that. It's in the creation stories. When we look up, these are the, this is the story of creation, actually, visually. Uh, through the creation story, the world is seen as Tove. It's beautiful. It's good. It's the foundation of all things. She's not just like, hey, she's sexy. no, no. There's something bigger going on here. She is like fundamentally beautiful, and some part of him at least is straight because he's going, "How are you doing?" Now he doesn't have social media, so he can't look her up on social media and be like, "What's relationship status?" So he sends his minion. I don't know. Could you imagine being the minion? Your job is to go and check out, like, if someone's married or not. How does exactly that happen? Hi, how are you doing? Are you married? The guy comes back, says to David, oh, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Remember we talked about willpower challenges? On the one hand, David wants to live a moral life. He wants to be able to look at himself in the mirror and say, I've been a good human being, but now he's looking at a woman who's married and not in an open marriage. She's in a closed one. I want her, and I want to live a moral life, but I want her. That's the core of every willpower challenge. The core definition is you want two competing things at the same time. That's what, can you throw that second part of that quote up there for me? You want the donut, but you also want the tight derriere, is that what it said? You want the deep uh, the see what you want the drink, but or sorry, you want to have the drink, but you also want to be sober. You want two things. If somebody said to you, "Hey, your willpower challenge," I hate, does anyone else hate radishes? Who invented the radish? That's the worst thing to put in a salad. If somebody said your willpower challenge is to not eat radishes ever again, not a problem. That's garbage food. There's no willpower challenge there because I'm like, that literally should be for pigs. Like, no human should eat that. (laughs) There's no willpower challenge. Willpower challenge, by definition, is I want two things and they're not working well together. David, I want to sleep with that beautiful woman, that Tove woman. I want to be with her. And I also want to be a guy who doesn't want to sleep with her. It's the willpower challenge. Now, I'm going to take uh, another step away. Biblically, we use this term prophet. Usually, people have these kind of really weird ways of thinking about it, but usually, some sort of prophet is someone who can tell the future. I want to show you guys you're all a prophet right now. So, you're all going to be David's best friend. You're hanging out with David. He's like, hey, so I met this woman. Her name's Bathsheba. Super into her. She's uh, She's married. How do you think this is gonna go? What's your answer? Oh, of course it's gonna go well. No one's feelings are gonna get hurt at all. This isn't gonna come out. Nothing ever is gonna happen. Oh, you wanna have unprotected sex with a woman who's married and you think nothing is gonna happen. Of course it's gonna go well. Is anybody thinking that right now? No. You're going, this is gonna come out at some point. I can't tell you when, but I can tell you the future. This is gonna go to shit. David, a couple months later, someone tells him a story just like his. Guy wants to have sex with a beautiful woman. She's married. David's like, you should kill that guy. He's, but he's in this moment where he's looking at her. She's walking towards him because he's invited over. She's all like, you know, hair flapping in the wind, you know, perfume, whatever. She's Tove. He's like, <laughs> and his brain instantly is like melting, like, The part of him that's a prophet that says, how is this going to go? It's not going to go well. That part of his brain has left the building. This is what George Ainsley says is the core part of all of our failures of willpower. There is a biological part of us that's not symmetrical. Take David out of the situation where Beth, she was not in front of him. He's like, that's ridiculous. You should never do that. I would never do that. If I caught someone doing that, I'd kill them. Beth, she was walking towards him. That part of his brain is gone. All he's thinking about is, I should have unprotected sex with a married woman, because that's going to go really well. But you're all seeing this as ridiculous, right? And yet... This is part of all of us. And I'll show you how. Um, Does anybody, you know, in their best, worst moments, anyone like a donut now and again? Sugary, deep-fried goodness. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so there's a donut show. There's a Tim Hortons. If you go outside of here and you take a right, you walk down the hill, walk across Elbow Drive, keep going, you're gonna get to a uh, traffic circle, take your second exit, walk down 42nd, you're gonna hit McLeod Trail, Take a left, you got about another five blocks, it's gonna be on your right. Anyone craving a donut right now? It's only a half hour walk away. Ah. (laughs) What about now? (laughs) Does anyone crave a donut now? Huh? Donut now and again? Dave? No, thanks. You. you sure? Yeah, I'm good. Just one second, let me waft it over for you a little bit. <laughs> another, are you, another 10 seconds or so. Right? Are you thinking of donuts now? Yes. These are the very same donuts I bought at that store that's a half hour walk away. Donut's a donut, right? Oh, but your brain doesn't think of it that way, does it? This don't, oh, I can hardly think with these donuts right here. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. one's like, second. I'm going to put these right next to you. Just <laughs> No judgment if you have one. I'm just going to put those right there. There you go. Here's the thing. This is evolution in your brain. You experience it some way different as a willpower challenge, but it's really... I'm just watching it. He's like, oh, donut. Are you hearing anything I'm saying at this point? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Your brain thinks of things as having different values. That's the very same dozen donuts that's at that store. The very same. But when they're physically close to you, your brain goes, oh, that's more valuable. This is your evolution in your brain. Something that's physically far away doesn't feel as valuable to you. Your brain creates an asymmetry. Same donut, donuts to donuts to donut, but further away feels different. Just give me one second. Let's going to move these donuts so you can hear me. Okay, hold on a second. I'm just going to put these right here. You can tell, like you can physically feel, and you're all feeling them, aren't you? You're just like, oh, donuts. Your brain is wired to care more about those donuts than the donuts over there. That's asymmetry. This is why if you're trying to lose weight, they say don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. I always thought that was the dumbest rule ever. Like I pick the best foods when I'm hungry. But a bag of chips a half hour walk away at the store isn't the same in terms of your brain as the bag of chips that's sitting in front of you open your ability to give up that part right in front of you will feel different. That's what he's saying. That feels a little bit like duh, right? I get it. The donuts over there, they matter. They feel more important than the ones over there. But let's look at it this way. Let's say you want one of your I want challenges is I wanna work out more. So I will work out regularly. What happens if you have one set of workout gear and it's always in the laundry? What does your brain see? It's further away, so it has less value. So you can use this asymmetry to hack yourself. This is the simple hack. Let's say you want to, to be on your phone, less on social media. What is the way you can make it further away? Go lock it in another room. If you live in a condo, lock it in your car, in the car, parking garage. You now have to walk down, and your brain's going to be like, eh. You know, social media, if it was right here and I could use my phone right here, I'd just hit it and I'd be on. But you know, if I have to walk all the way down there and put on my slippers and ah, not worth it. You can actually make your brain think the things that you want to avoid are less important. If you want to work out more, here's what you do. Buy five sets of workout clothes, put them on top of your bed or on top of your chair so you have to walk like one step and you can get dressed. Your brain will see that as more valuable. Pretty straightforward, huh? But here's the thing. When it comes to donuts, do you need me to move those donuts? Are you okay? Are you okay? Do you want one? (laughs) I'm a horrible person. (laughs) I had to move them away from me because I literally couldn't think anymore. There's another part. So there's the biology that makes us feel like things that are close to us feel more valuable. Things that are far away feel less valuable. So all you need to do is the things that you value, bring them closer. Things you don't value, put them away further. Simple. But that same circuit does something really, really screwed up. And this one's hard to see. And this is why this isn't a hack. This is kind of a lifetime thing. A friend of mine came to me one time. (laughs) So I used to run really long races. So I spent a lot of my life figuring out training and how to train. And so they thought, oh, uh, I want to start running so, I'm going to send Vince my training program and get his feedback. So, this is, this is how it went. They sent me the training program. They wanted to run, as of New Year's Day, they were going to run 30 minutes a day every day of the week. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, they're like, hey, what do you think? I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Hey, how much are you currently running? They're so like, 30 minutes a week. I was like, okay, in three weeks, It's New Year's Day, and you're going to be running 30 minutes a day. They're like, yeah. And you're currently running how much again? 30 minutes a week. So you want to increase your running by 700%. Yes. (laughs) And they're not picking up what I'm throwing down. I'm like, okay, so (laughs) let's back it up. You're currently running 30 minutes a week. You want to run 210 minutes a week. Can you currently run 210 minutes a week? No. No well, how much can you run? 30 minutes a week. And in three weeks, you're magically going to be able to run 30 minutes every day. Yes. But they couldn't see it. This is the other asymmetry of your brain. You think of yourself, your current self, as different from your future self. My buddy, their current self could run 30 minutes a week. That's all they could run. They couldn't run more than that. But in their mind, their magic future self is going to be able to increase that by 700%. Magically. You're thinking, that person's crazy, right? But isn't this what we do all the time? If I buy something that I kind of can't afford, who's going to deal with the visa bill? My future self. Do you think your future self is going to be on a budget and have more financial resources than your current self does? Of course. My future self works out every day, eats only salad, is financially secure. (laughs) He can run 700% more. That's the other asymmetry. We actually think of our future selves as somehow better than our current selves somehow more capable, more disciplined. When I say, oh, I'm tired. I don't really feel like working out today. What am I thinking? Tomorrow, Vince is going to feel better. (laughs) I was talking with Catrice, our sound person. She's like 23, and she's like, goes to the chiropractor, and he's like, oh, you're 23. Your bones are starting to ossify. At 23, I'm like, girl, wait till you're 50. Like half your stuff doesn't work anymore. So what is it that I think future Vince is going to be in better shape, able to handle this stuff more magically? David, seeing this Tove woman, who he knows, in a moment of clarity, he knows what the future is going to hold. But somehow he thinks that magically future David is going to be able to handle the scandal of this affair coming out. That's the wisdom of George Ainsley. We think of present self and future self differently. We think our future selves are going to be better in all accounts. And so we give up in the moment and say, oh yeah, I'll have the donut. Future friends will go for a run. I'll yell at that person who's making me angry Future Vince can handle the, the issues in my relationship. Oh, those emotions I don't want to feel? Yeah, I'll stuff them down. Future Vince, totally good with emotions. Can you feel how unconscious this is? What are you putting off thinking that your future self is somehow going to be better than your current self? That's the core of willpower challenge failures. Once I got to this moment, I'm going, first, it took me a while to even see this. Oh, yeah, I do do that. Vince, who's in a hurry, who speeds, future Vince can pay for the ticket. He'll be fine. Current Vince is in a hurry. Think of all the places you put things to future you. Then I want to know, well, how the heck do I fix this? How the heck do I make sure I don't say yes to the donut and let Vince Future deal with the calories? And it's actually not complex, but it's rather hard. And I'll show you by telling you a story from Christmas. So there's two Christmas stories, two main Christmas stories, at least. In one of them, there's... Wise men. We'll call them wise people. They're astrologists. Anyone remember how many there are? Technically, there's more than one, but we don't know how many. There could have been 30. But they had three what? What did they bring? Three? Anyone remember the gifts? <laughs> Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Nailed it, buddy. Well done, Bryce. <laughs> That's where we get three from. They had three gifts. So they were like, well, of course there was three because you could only carry one gift at a time, right? (laughs) Because frankincense, which I have no clue what that is, is really, I don't know, heavy. Anyways, so let me lay it down here. I want you guys to be a wise person. You live in the East. We're not sure exactly where that is. But let's say it's about a year's travel away. You look up at the stars and somehow you read there's going to be a birth and the birth person's going to be really important like a king and you should go and see there. I don't know if it writes it in the stars or I'm not sure how they figured this out but somehow magically you know in a year from now you're going to be standing in front of a king. There's present day you and there's future you. Future you is a year from now standing in front of that king. Let's say You're this person, you're now, you saw the stars. What are you thinking future you's gonna do when you're standing in front of that king? Just if you're open, close your eyes and picture yourself in whatever manger scene you've ever seen. And you're standing in front of the baby Jesus. I'm wearing a killer bathrobe (laughs) with a towel wrapped around my head and a little like killer. What do you have in your hands? I don't actually know what frankincense and myrrh is. Maybe, I don't know, bring them something, a piece of art that I really like. Maybe I bake a pie. Maybe I sing a song. What does future you want to feel like when you're sitting in front of that manger scene? What are you wearing? Can you picture it? What's it gonna be like? Is it evening time, daytime, morning? What I'm doing is I'm asking you to put yourself in future you's shoes. That's what's incredible about this story. These wise people think of themselves a year in advance and make plans of what a year in advance is gonna look like. They are collapsing the distance between present day you and future you. David, Beth, she was walking towards him. She is beautiful. What if he said, uh, Beth, can you just hold your saunter there for a second? I'm just going to imagine sitting in front of your incredibly irate husband as I try and explain to him why you're pregnant, and he hasn't been home in three months. Hold on, let let me just experience that. Oh, yeah, he's spitting in my face. He's so angry, his face is like red. He's ready to fight me. can you feel how collapsing future you and present you changes present you? We actually have research. If you take a person and you say, how connected are you to future you and present you? The people who are the most disconnected to their futures have the most failures of willpower. I was talking to someone the other day. He's like, I have no connection to my future. Everything is in the moment and he's constantly in trouble because he's not thinking about anything else. When you use the wise men's idea and you say, no, 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 future Vince and present Vince are going to be at the same place. Future David and present present David. I'm literally going to sit myself in front of that irate husband and say, Uriah the Hittite, who's the wife of Bathsheba, yes, I did have sex with your wife, and you're married, and I have no explanation for that. Can you see how it shifts present day? I remember uh, a friend of mine was on Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers is a system where you have these points. And so if you eat something, you use up your points, you have a certain number per day. But, really cool, if you exercise, you get more points. I thought, what a wicked idea. I got her to send it to me. I worked out the math of the equation. And then I realized this. You know a small fries at McDonald's? To work off that, to get those points back, you have to run for half an hour. Does anyone want to run half an hour for a small McDonald's fries? I remember there's a Baskin Robbins by my place. There's these ladies. They, they would go for kind of like a brisk walk and then they would eat this much ice cream. And I'm going, like, that's 4,000 calories or something like that. You burned 12. I hope future you eats nothing but salad. In fact, doesn't eat at all. It's an incredible thing when we realize, when we connect present day us and future us. Our tradition has had times where we do this really well and times when we do it really poorly. There's these afterlife conceptions where if something you do here, the future you will be there and that, that has a flavor to it. But we can use this daily. If I eat those donuts, what does future Vince have to do? What's future Vince's life going to feel like? How connected are you to your future self? Some people will have a 20-year plan. For those people who don't understand what I'm saying right now because they live in the future and there's no present whatsoever, this is part of my learning. This message isn't for you. Your message is being in the moment. There's not very many of you. Sorry, no disrespect. The majority of us are going, oh, heck yeah, I'm gonna be in the moment. Who cares about the future? The future, Vince, he's awesome. So how connected are you to your future self? As you look through this Christmas season, this whole series is called Stick to a Christmas. It's how do we live a Christmas of meaning, where our relationships are where we want them to be. We're not suffering in January. Our finances aren't in the toilet. Our, you know, we're, the fight we have isn't there. We have, we're not beating ourselves up going, oh, I turned into the four-year-old Vince with my family again, because that's what I always do. Imagine January this year. What do you want it to look like? Open up your virtual visa bill in your head. Is it paid off? Think of your relationships. Are you having to apologize? Where's your health at? Where's your exercise routine at? Picture it in your mind. Wake up January 1st. What does it look like? now, come back to the present and say, how would I live differently if I wanted to be that? It's not complex. George Ainsley's insight is profound and the mechanism in our heads is not complex. And yet, this is incredibly hard to do. Because in the moment, our brain doesn't want us to do this. With those donuts sitting right next to us, our brain does not want us to do this. It doesn't want us to think about the fact that I fell off the wagon and got totally hammered, and now I'm you know, sleeping in someone's house I don't even know, and in my, you know, all this stuff that's horrible. It doesn't want us to think that way. But you now understand the spiritual side of this. So Silas says, I'm just going to take one minute and think of the future and live in the future of this decision. Yes, my partner made me upset and I want to raise my voice at them, but I know that this is going to be a three-day fight. Do I want to live the next three days of Christmas holidays in a fight? No. That's where this gets spiritual. not understanding how it works. It's how do we use it. So as we finish this service, I want to encourage you, put yourself in your January 1 shoes. What do you want that to look like? And even as you do that, you're going to start to feel it collapse. The future is going to feel more real to you. And suddenly the decisions in the moment are going to feel less real. That's just the quirk of your brain. You're just working with it now. What is it you want to do this Christmas season? What don't you want to do? What would it look like if you behaved that way? What would your future self look like? The wise man' story, I think, shows us a way through this if we're willing. Making this decision with the donuts right next to us probably not going to be easy, right? How you doing over there, <laughs> Gregory? Gregory's lost it. He's in a sugar coma. In a moment before you're in the willpower challenge, take a second. Put yourself in your future self. Ask yourself, what's my future going to look like? David, come on. There's no way he would have made the same decisions if he would have thought of all that was going to go wrong. It got so bad, he ended up having to kill her husband. Kill him. Commit murder. Their firstborn baby, it dies right in front of him. He's in front of them. He's just bawling. Text says, he hasn't showered, he hasn't eaten, his hair is a mess. Imagine if he would have spent that time, right when she's walking and she's towed, she's beautiful, and he goes, what could happen in my future? What would he have done in that moment? You now know how this works. I leave you the work now of saying, how am I gonna use that to make a meaningful life? to live the Christmas I truly want. That's what i want to leave you with. If you struggle, talk to a friend. Say, hey, can I tell you about what I think my future is going to look like if I don't do the thing that I want them to do? My kids are going to not like me. I'm going to be 20 pounds overweight. I'm going to be so overwhelmed with suppressed emotions that I'm going to blow up and like drive my car into traffic just to stop someone who cut me off. Take the time today. Live in that future. Hack that part of your brain. And willpower challenges suddenly feel different. May we live with one eye on our future so that our lives are meaningful and happy. I'm going to say amen as a question. Amen. Or hell's yeah. Have a great week, everyone. Come back next week. Jeff's going to talk about one more thing. It's going to be fun. Take care of everyone. Oh, yeah, wrapping party. Wrapping party over there. Have fun. We'll be over there in a few minutes. Thanks, everybody.